It's common knowledge that whenever you start a new project or a new media that people are not very exposed to, that you're going to have to woo them. You're going to have to win them over. So you want to make sure that first, whatever it is that you're doing is exceptional. I had to think long and hard about who was going to be our first club's Rotarian that I would interview for the podcast. Well, the answer came very quickly. It had to be Joe Murphy. Joe is just one of those bright, sunny souls that you just immediately gravitate towards. He and his entire family, in fact, are kind of like that. He's the head of our foundation giving. He's our foundation chair. He's been a past president for the Rotary Club of East Cobb. His entire family is amazing. I love them all. I want to adopt them. And also, he is a very gifted harmonica and drums player. You can hear him in local bands on any given weekend here in Atlanta. So not only these things, but also because of the project that he's spearheaded, um, spearheading, I should say, for our international project, I really think Joe is the perfect person to kick off this podcast. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Murphy. Thanks for joining us. And I wanted to ask that wonderful question every Atlantan asks one another. Where are you from? Well, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was raised in Greenville, South Carolina, and I've spent most of my adult life in Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm kind of sliding down the East Coast slowly uh, through the years, but I've been in Atlanta since 1986 when I came to law school, and I consider that home. So, Joe, my next question is, were your parents Rotarians? Actually, no. uh, They were not, and uh, they were... Uh, involved in community service, a lot of it through the church, and I learned a lot of the passion that I have for service through them. But uh, I became a Rotarian. A friend of mine who I was uh, involved with in Boy Scouting with walked into um, an event we had with the rotary pin on, and I said, what's that? And the next thing I know, I've uh, been a Rotarian now since 2005. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know why, but for some reason, the way that I see you in every meeting, I always think, okay, he was born with the rotary gear, probably on his diaper, and, you know, probably had the rotary, you know, mobile over his crib, because you just seem like just to your fiber and your being. It's a great fit, and I will say this. My kids grew up in rotary because they were very young when I first joined, and I'm uh, one of the proudest co- things that I've done, uh, two proudest things I've done as a father, first is to pin an Eagle Scout uh, badge on my son, and wow. the other one was to present him with his rotary pin when he joined a rotary club in Minnesota, where oh he God. where he uh, started work after college. And uh, in fact, he didn't know I was coming up there. I knew he was uh, becoming a member of the rotary club there. I contacted their president, and uh, we secretly arranged for me to show up to put the pin on him. So he didn't oh even gosh. know I was coming to see him, and uh, and that was a very proud moment. My daughter. Um, I think we'll be a Rotarian someday. She is extremely active in volunteer activities, has a, a real heart for giving. Both of my kids do, and that's been quite a blessing. Um, I, ma- I married uh, a very generous person who is giving of her time to others, and we've raised children who um, have honored us with those same qualities, so we're very proud. So part of the th- oh, big thrust of Rotary is, of course, service, and different clubs have domestic and international projects they take on. Joe, you've taken on heading Lunches for Learning for our club. Please share with us, what is Lunches for Learning? Lunches for Learning is, um, wow, I'm going to make this quick, but it's a long story in so many ways. Uh, And I encourage anyone listening to this podcast to go to the lunchesforlearning.com website and listen to the backstory. But uh, the the upshot is this. Uh, Lunches for Learning is an organization that does something that is both simple and profound in that they provide school lunches for elementary and middle school kids in a region of Honduras that's particularly impoverished. And uh, the dynamic that's going on down there and what's really driving a lot of the caravans and people that flee areas in the Central America like Honduras is poverty on a level that we can only barely imagine in in, in our country. And um, the the children in these schools, they don't go to school because they're they're starving to death. And so they're really forced to hit the streets and uh, beg or forage for food. What Lunches for Learning does is locally sources food in the schools in this impoverished region of Honduras so that kids, of course, are drawn to the schools because there's lunch. And they stay in the schools and they learn. That's the lunches for learning. And something miraculous happens. Uh, This organization's been around for about 15 years now, so we've seen the full unfolding of the potential that there is. But the kids stay in school. 
they complete their elementary school studies, often go on to the middle school and high school levels. And with, and with each level that they complete, they're able to better plug into the economy down there. The ability to read and write, do arithmetic, uh, puts them in a position where they can get a job, uh, move out of the village, um, support themselves, and 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 again, it's, it's literally breaking a cycle of poverty. Um, it's a low overhead huge impact organization. Uh, I learned about them through Rotary, and I lead our Rotary Club's efforts to uh, support. We actually support a particular school down there. It's called the Pedro Nufio School, and it's um, we're very proud. It's a, it's a elementary and middle, middle school, and uh, we go down with a contingent <laughs> each year to the graduation ceremony. Um, Which is held in what time of year? Well, the graduation is held when? In November. Their, their okay. school cycle ends in November, and that's when the graduations take place. And um, so, again, for the last few years, we've set a content, send a contingent of Rotarians down there. Uh, we're treated like honored guests. And the appreciation, uh, not just from the kids, but the parents in particular. And these are kids who walk very often, maybe two up to three hours each way to get to and from school. This is how much it means to them to, to participate in this program and to see these kids graduating, getting jobs, and literally uh, being the first in their families to step out of uh, 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 institutionalized, basically, generational poverty. is It's moving on a level that's hard to describe. I want you to share what you have seen with the level of poverty you're describing that's happening. And then secondly, kind of piggybacking on that, what's your why for Lunches for Learning? What's the image that sticks in your head that motivates you? Well, well, first of all, poverty sucks. And American poverty sucks. Honduran poverty sucks. It's all bad. And it's different. I mean, the number one nutritional challenge among the impoverished in the United States is actually obesity. Uh, it's because the, the folks here that are impoverished have access only to low nutritional food. And so they tend to have different kinds of problems. The poverty in Honduras is it's starvation, the kind of which you used to see on these care um, commercials uh, and late night TV back in the day. Um, one example of just how um, starving and, nu- and nutritionally challenged these kids are in the schools that we haven't reached yet. Uh, the Honduran population, uh, uh, largely of, 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 of ethnically, very much made up of, uh, from, from Indian uh, background, uh, they have beautiful dark black hair, glossy, shiny. It's just they're, 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 be- they're beautiful people. And, and uh, the children in the schools we haven't reached yet, they have gray hair. It's the oh my oddest. Gosh. Yeah, it's the oddest thing. <clears throat> and it's one of the effects of, of extreme starvation and malnutrition is, um, it, 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 and, and so I've seen the before and after pictures before. The, the schools that I've been involved in working with have been in the program for a while. So I've not personally seen kids in this condition, but I've seen the photographs. Oh and to see the, the kind of change where you come into an area and, and children that are so starving, they've got distended bellies and their, their hair is literally gray. Uh, just that change. Yeah. I mean, and these are happy, smiling, um, just the, uh, wonderful people. And, yeah. and, and to know that you're putting a smile back on their face, you're putting food in their belly, and literally physically, physiologically changing them in such an immediate and profound way. I mean, that's, I don't know a better example of what are we talking about with that kind of poverty right. versus our kind of poverty than that as an example. Joe, you've been very gracious with your time. I can't thank you enough. Um, I guess I want to end this with my last question of what would you say to a person who's curious about Rotary and, you know, has enjoyed what you shared with us and is wanting to do more and wants to get involved? What would you share? What would you suggest? I believe the the power of Rotary is providing a platform for doing what most folks want to do anyway, which is to help others. Um, I make the comparison to scouting. Uh, I was a scout leader as well, and I think every dad uh, would want to go camping and go fishing and go hiking and take uh, adventurous trips with their children. it's all good intentions and it doesn't get on the calendar unless there's a reason to do it through scouting uh, and later adventuring scouting with my daughter with both of my kids I did a lot of wonderful activities with them through scouting but only because we were in the program it was on the calendar and we did it Rotary's the same way in terms of community giving in terms of all the things that we can do globally and locally regionally um, everybody wants to do good but until it's on the calendar and you have a structure in which to do it 
it's not going to get done. I've, I never understood the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It always sounded to me like a very harsh <laughs> phrase, but it really is. Having a good intention that you never see through is, is bad as not having a good intention. Uh, Rotary gives that platform, and I would just add, not only are you doing these good things, they're on the calendar, you get them done, you're doing them with wonderful People. people and right. it's all about it's all about the people to share to share the experience of doing good with people that you like uh it's a feeling that's really hard to describe uh we've all had that feeling we've, whether it's through again through church or through mm-hmm. sororities and fraternities or through other organizations mm-hmm. scouting we've had that feeling rotary for me was kind of the grown-up way of doing that right. it's um hmm. it's just such a good fit and I, and i don't think there's so many different kinds of people that you meet through Rotary. It's a good fit for a lot of different kinds of people, and it brings you together in a common cause. But you get that, uh, again, doing good with people you like and people that you don't always agree with, let's say, politically. <laughs> people who might have a, reli- a different religious background than you. Um, I'm laughing because I'm remembering the day after the election when I walked into Rotary. Meh. <laughs> I still had on my little American flag. Person I wanted in certain positions. I they didn't exactly make it, but I was I was there and hugging on everybody and loving on everybody just like I, I always do. Right, and, and exactly. And Rotary is you know nonpartisan, and we don't talk about politics with a capital P there. But it's fun to have conversations with people that you don't agree with, but right. you, you agree with them so fundamentally on so many issues regarding values that things like politics diminish in comparison and and that's another experience you get through rotary the good old-fashioned agree to disagree and amicably and civilly um have discourse about things with people (laughs) and we do and we have fun with that and um i don't know to sum it up it's just codified good intentions and i recommend it to anybody who has those good intentions and hasn't found a way yet to get uh to get the rubber to the road i can't thank you enough joe for taking the time out of your morning uh, sharing these experiences with everyone. I really can't, so thank you. Well, thank you, Erica, for doing this, and um, I'm happy to be a part of the inaugural uh, <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> for what it's worth, thank you. Wasn't that amazing? That's exactly why I wanted to interview Joe first, and Lunches for Learning, what a powerful program. If you want to find out more about Lunches for Learning, you can log on to lunchesforlearning.org. That's lunches, F-O-R, learning.org. So I have big plans for every podcast, and I want to kind of sort of follow my hero Ira Glasses format like he does for This American Life. I know, I just revealed that I'm a nerd in a very big way. But anyway, he has usually what he calls acts in every episode. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good format. I mean, I'm a big fan, so I'm going to do acts for mine as well. So our first act of every podcast is always an interview with someone in my own club. But the second act is always a Rotarian outside of my own club because there's just such a fantastic talent pool of Rotarians. So I immediately knew who I wanted for my quote-unquote second act, Jacqueline Donovan. So Jacqueline, how do I describe her? Hmm. I, she's my shiro. She is uh, in charge of helping build membership right now within our district. And she is in um, the Moultrie, Georgia chapter. And um, she also likes to jump out of perfectly good planes. And she pilots them as well. So, I mean, could you be more like kick butt than that? I don't know. I don't think so. But anyway, without further ado, I'll let Jacqueline tell you more about herself. Here she is, Jacqueline Donovan. So I met Jacqueline, everyone. Um, it was like, what, three, three uh, district conventions ago? Two, I think. I, I think it was three. I can't remember. Anyway, it was like that scene in Forrest Gump where you're like there and you don't know anybody. And then, like, I'm, like, trying to sit down and, like, make friends. <laughs> I felt very five-year-old. And Jacqueline's so gracious. She had this, she and her husband had this amazing suite for their, um, for their Rotary Club and the hospitality suite. And I got to know them. And as the evening went on, I think they kind of adopted me. But, um, Jacqueline, tell us about you, your name, the famous Atlanta question. Where are you from? And then <laughs> let's start with you, your name, where are you from? Okay, so uh, my name is Jacqueline Donovan. Um, I am not from Atlanta. Um, 
I live about three and a half hours south of Atlanta. Depending on traffic, it could be anywhere to six hours south of Atlanta. Uh, but I'm in uh, I'm in Moultrie, Georgia, so I'm only about uh, forty to fifty miles from the Florida state line, uh, wow. heading towards uh, heading towards Tallahassee. So I'm I'm in the way down south, definitely, wow. decidedly not close to Atlanta. Thank goodness. <laughs> Although Atlanta is kind of like the um... I don't want to say it's evil overlord, but it kind of just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. Like, Oh yeah. Making, uh, Atlanta starts in making now. <laughs> yep. Yep. I met you and your hubs. You're both Rotarians, correct? No, actually just me, which is kind of weird because, you know, most of the time you meet, you go to a rotary meeting and everybody assumes that my husband is a Rotarian and I'm just tagging along, but it, it's the opposite for us. So, um, did you grow up with a Rotarian in your family? Uh, no, I did not. So interesting. So how did you find out about it? What happened? So uh, years ago, I think uh, let me see, two, 2004, I moved to America, Georgia for a job, which is also down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of close to where I grew up. And, uh, you know, after being there for about four years, I had some friends. Uh, that I was, you know, coming across in town, they invited me to Rotary because it met on, I worked at a college, it met on our campus. So I went to Rotary with them, had no clue what Rotary was about, what Rotarians did. I just went because my friends invited me to the meeting. Uh, wow. And I, yeah, yeah, I had, uh, had no clue. I'd never heard of Rotary. Um, you know, they, they started RILA after I graduated high school, so I had no exposure to it then either. Um, right. So I just, I kind of went in cold, but, uh, but once I figured out, you know, what it was about, that's what made me stay. So, so, um, so you went to the meeting, uh, what struck you? Do you remember anything in particular that jumped out and said, whoa, about the meeting? Um, well, well, first of all, America's is a singing club and there aren't many of those left. (laughs) So I have, have to the... ask you about that because that just came up literally in a conversation last week about singing clubs. <laughs> yes, yeah, so America's is still a singing club. So we have the Rotary songbooks there. <gasps> you do? Um, yes, so there's Rotary songbooks and uh, we have the music committee. So the music committee was always the new Rotarian and then mm-hmm. the old guys who really like to sing. So, you know, you, you become a new Rotarian in that club, you had to be on the music committee. And I hated it because I can't sing that well. And I didn't want to stand up in front of people and have to sing while they're watching me. Um, but oh that's just gosh. one of the things you do in the America's Club. So they, they are still a singing club, um, which, I, you know, I think it, it makes it definitely a unique club. Um, but that's just one of their one of their traditions. That's what they do. I was just literally like um, Wade um, Patrick was was talking about, I don't know how this came up. And he was like, well, you know, there's singing clubs and there's a songbook. And he said it just that way. And I was like, what, what, what? How have I never heard of this? Yes, it's a rotary songbook. It's, uh, it's blue. Whoa. And, uh, it's got some really fantastic. <laughs> Jeez. So, you know, I'm going to corner you when we're down at Jekyll Island, right? And ask for an impromptu performance well i'll see if i can remember one i'll ask america to bring a book well that would be great because you know i'm so extra i picture in my head like this glee type environment where we're all just like sitting there having our meeting and all of a sudden somebody bursts in the song and we're like literally pulling out like the moves all of us (laughs) no quite well i mean this is rotarians we're talking about so i mean so maybe we do it a little bit slower but yeah (laughs) yeah exactly might be a little more low key than that, but uh, but sure. <laughs> Especially when you hear some of the songs. I mean, we're talking right. like row, 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 rotary. We got it. Well, that's good. At least it's memorable. You know, maybe there can be an auto tune rebit. You know, for the new generation. So, uh, tell me about sports medicine. Fascinating to me. I didn't even know that was a like a thing until I was like an adult. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, it is a thing. It's uh, it's nice because it lets you be in medicine, but not have to go to medical school for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, growing up as an athlete and, and being a college athlete, it just I wanted to stay close to sports. It's something I enjoyed. Now I get paid to watch sports, so it's even better. 
Um, but, you know, be, it also allows me, I can still help people. So, you know, right. my, my dream of being an orthopedic surgeon, maybe I didn't get there, but I'm still in a position that I can help people get better and play again, even after they get hurt. So come close, but, you know, I, I'm in yeah. a place where I love my job and I, I love the people I work with. And, and yeah, I, I do sports for a living and it's nice. <laughs> it's like everybody's dream or like a huge percentage. My own brother was like originally considering doing it. He's a general practitioner now. I understand it's also very highly competitive, right? Uh, it can be, you know, especially when you're talking about you're looking at jobs that are at, you know, all of the big schools, the big universities, the NFL, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, there's the athletic trainers are going to be on both sidelines for the Super Bowl and, you know, right. for every other professional sports game. So when you're looking at that level, yeah, it's competitive. Um, but, you know, then you get to that level. You're talking about a, what kind of work-life balance do you have? And, yeah, I mean, I, I love football, and it would be cool to work the NFL, but I got a really good thing going on where I'm at, and I love my life, how it's going now. So, you know, it's it's how you balance it and what you want. That's huge. I see you looking so happy, and I always see the joy in your face. Like, you very much look like you're living – you're just living your life. So, you know, you're living your dream. You're You're living your life. I did want to ask you one question. It did pop up to me. Um, after we talked last time, which is who was one of your mentors? Like it's a little bit unusual to have a woman kind of be in this field or pursue this field. And like, you just say it with such ease and obviously it's fit you like to a T. So who was your mentor growing up that said, Hey, Jacqueline, how about this? Um, you know, <laughs> honestly, I can't, I can't put a finger on just one. Okay. You know, say that, and it might be cliche, but you know, my parents raised me that I could do anything I wanted to. No, that's not a cliche. That's you actually, know? the more I talk to people, that's kind of a unique thing. That's well, a really wonderful thing though. And, and it is. I mean, you know, if I, I said when I was in third grade, I wanted to play baseball and I softball, I wanted to play baseball with the boys and my parents said, okay. So I, you know, I'm on my uncle's team playing baseball and I'm the only little girl in the league and you know, that was just kind of how my parents were. If I wanted to do something, they were going to support me in it 100%. And, and it's still like that, um, That's you know, no, no matter what I do. And so I think just having having their support and knowing that that they're going to be behind me, they might be the only two people behind me, but, I, you know, I'll have them no matter what. And so I think that just helps me, you know, grow into who I am and, you know, wanting to do different things and, and be a different person than everybody else in line. And, and oh, wow. it made, made growing up and, and adulting, you know, pretty easy. And, and- <laughs> I'm laughing in agreement. Cause I mean, I gotta tell you, there's like, I, you can see it all around you, especially when you're a Rotarian and working with certain organizations, you're like, boy, was I ever privileged to have parents that cared about what I was going to do, you know, or who I was in the world. Yeah. And it sounds absolutely. like you're gifted with that as well. That's wonderful. Shout out to Jacqueline's parents. Hello. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Yes, they You've are. You've raised a beautiful human. Um, on those same lines, Jacqueline, I kind of see that, uh, and that's something I touched on earlier, was that you kind of exemplify that persona too and spread that joy around with what you do within your own club in Moultrie because you're so approachable and fun. Tell me about some of the things that you guys are doing in Moultrie. Uh, we're doing We're doing a lot of little small things in Moultrie, um, you know, and every club dynamic is different. Um, yes. I don't have, we've only got about 50 people, 55, um, on the roster and, and, you know, not, not everybody is going to go out on a Saturday and actually do something because they've got other plans or they've got kids or they're retired and they just don't want them. But, um, so we're, you know, we're trying to tailor those small projects to our club. So we do a lot of things inside the club meetings. Um, right that we can do while we're having lunch that don't require an extra day or an extra night or giving up a weekend um and that don't require a lot of energy um you know so we do we signed christmas cards to send to soldiers um and veterans and we do um we had play foundation football to support the foundation and we do the cart fund so you know just finding little things that that people are going to be interested in doing them because it you know we might not be able to do humongous you know fundraising projects that are going to give a quarter of a million dollars to our community but every little thing we do is something that our community didn't have before us I agree I think that actually to me that kind of is symbolized by the rotary wheel like how you have a, a spoke on the wheel 
right? And if you are just one spoke, you really can't move that wheel or can't turn gears very well. But if you have all the spokes engaged, all the little pieces engaged, you create a big outcome. And that's what yeah. I was power of us being Rotarians. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, and, and for a long time, you know, sometimes clubs can get kind of dormant and, and comfortable and, and not doing much. And I'm just trying to one little turn of the wheel at a time. Mm, to, you know, love push it. our board again and and uh, you know just help some people remember why they joined rotary and why they've stayed in rotary and and you know find that kind of joy again about being a rotarian i love that so much you just say that so eloquently i did want to thank you so much for your time jacqueline and jacqueline thank you so much for your time today and what you have shared with me and the listeners um i gotta say i learned a lot of things which i really appreciate and enjoy Take good care. Bye, Jacqueline. See you later. So now you've met one of my sheroes. When Jacqueline's not busy um, rehabilitating uh, athletes and aspiring athletes with sports injuries or watching sports or playing sports, uh, she and her husband, Jack, are probably up in the air somewhere, either jumping out of perfectly good planes, as I said before, or piloting them around. And she also volunteers every summer at uh, the Rotary Youth Leadership Awards camp as a counselor. So, I mean, again, awesome quotient is like a thousand percent. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Appreciate your time and inspiring others out there like myself. All right, that was segment two. Now on to the final segment of our podcast. Segment three. Um, oh gosh. You wear glasses. Safety glasses. Yay. So, so I just want everybody to know, I want to tell you what's going on right now because you can't see it, but we literally are about to enter some amazing part because we have to put on specialty safety glasses. That means machinery. Yes. Ace Cobb Robotics has garnered a wonderful reputation of being just an amazing robotics team. They're not a club. Lisa Hatch, the executive director, very quickly schooled me on that. And you can tell. Clubs, people kind of meander in, meander out, show up when they want to, you know, eat a meal perhaps, maybe don't add much. This team is driven. When I showed up that Thursday night, there was nary a head that popped up when I walked in the door. All heads were bent and focused uh, amongst the students that were in the room on whatever task they were working on. For four years in a row, they have been invited to compete in the World Championships in in, uh, Houston, Texas. This is all new to me. When I was in school, robots were something that you saw on TV in grainy black and white. And yeah, I just gave away my age, but I don't care. It's easy to get excited about the driven uh, focus and purpose of this team. Not only are they extremely talented individuals, but you can see them grow year over year. The team shows up to our Dog Days uh, event every year with some new robot that shoots out t-shirts out of a cannon. And it's always some interesting new configuration. And the kids are bright, they're personable, they're social, they they came and presented at our club a couple of weeks back and blew us all away. So the theme of East Cobb Robotics is building better humans, and I couldn't agree more. I was so, so delighted to sit down with Lisa Hatch and find out more about how the origins of East Cobb Robotics came to be and where they're headed. Here's what happened. So here I am, and I'm with Lisa Hatch. She is uh, going to tell us about East Cobb Robotics, which to me is foreign territory. Like, literally, like, imagine I'm an alien. I basically am an alien visiting this marvelous world. What is it about East Cobb Robotics that you would want someone to know, like the messaging about this club? Okay, first of all, we are a team. We're not a club. So that is Thank one you. Of, that is one of the things that we stress to our applicants, to our team, is that we are not a club. Okay. If you... Think about it like sports. Mm-hmm. Every person on the team is needed. If right. the quarterback decides not to show up, 
the rest of the team suffers. Mm -hmm. If, you know, the pitcher or the first baseman, or I'm mixing my metaphors, but every person has a role on this team. It's not a club where you can just kind of show up. Mm -hmm. Um, We need every single student on the team. And as a whole, we produce better things and more things. East Cub Robotics is part of a bigger organization called FIRST. And FIRST stands for for inspiration and recognition of science and technology. Okay. So part of, there were two founders of FIRST, uh, Dean Kamen Mm -hmm. and Woody Flowers. So Dean Kamen looked around and thought, wow, there are, this was 30 years ago, looked around and said, there are a lot of students, kids out there who look up to basketball players and Mm -hmm. baseball players, football players, and they seek to emulate that. But the quantity of people who can go pro in any of those fields is so limited. Why can't I get engineers and scientists to do the same thing where everybody can go pro? Mm -hmm. So he came up with this idea of creating a challenge in the form of a game that would encourage students to embrace science, technology, engineering, and math, all the STEM fields. Okay. And that's how FIRST was born. Where was that? Uh, New Hampshire. Okay. New Hampshire. So Woody Flowers was an MIT graduate, and he recently passed away. We recently lost him, I believe it was in November. It was a huge, huge loss. Yeah. Um, he's a really neat person. Go, go look him up. He's okay. an MIT graduate, and he coined these two phrases that are kind of the ethos of FIRST and East Cobb Robotics, mm-hmm. which are gracious professionalism and oh. cooperation. I love that. <laughs> so gracious professionalism is that you always behave with respect towards yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you are always a gracious winner and a gracious loser. Um, you just you just treat everybody the way that you would like to be treated, kind of in a nutshell. Okay. Um, cooperation is a hybrid of the two words competition and cooperation. So it's really interesting to see at a competition, if a team has a widget and it's broken or they need a new one, they will go to the announcer and say, we need another widget. Mm -hmm. The announcer will say, you know, team one, two, three, four needs a widget. Other teams will race to be the first one to lend them a widget. That's, that's how, that's, that's amazing. Like, I love that attitude. Totally. You started to tell me about the application process, and I bet it's rigorous. It sounds like you are, at that point, introducing a real seriousness to this, because I said club, and you're like, yes, but no, we're a team. Right. And so you immediately said application. I'm like, wait, what? One of your questions was, how did this start? Mm -hmm. So my son was, I have three children. Hmm. I have twins who are going to be 21 in February. And you are a teen mom. That's what it, no, it has to be. And then I have a 16-year-old who's going to be 17, also in February. Oh so th- when the twins were in middle school, I have all boys. Okay, I was going to say boy girl. They're all boys. Okay, all boys. So uh, when they were growing up, I wanted them to participate in something, some team sport of some flavor. Mm-hmm. We tried baseball. We tried basketball. We tried soccer. We tried cross country. We tried martial arts. We tried swimming. One of them liked swimming. Okay. Okay, Check that box. But the other one had nothing. And then at his middle school, there was a robotics team. He said, I think I want to try that. He tried it, and he loved it. And he was in eighth grade at this point. And he found his people. Aww. He found his people. He found that team sport that we were looking for. Right. So... While he was in middle school on this on this team, looking ahead, there was no team for him to go to at high school. Wow. I bet that was devastating. It was really hard. So yeah. I just took a really good look around and thought, you know what, if he's going to do this, then we're just going to have to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So collecting different resources, you know, we found another team. To mentor us, we found a sponsor to give mm-hmm. us money. We found just all these resources, okay. and we wound up starting a team. So fast forward, fast forward. Here we are. We are a community team. 
-hmm. We have students from seven or eight different public schools, four different private schools. So that's where I also had to, I just learned that. Like I thought for some reason this was a particular school or a no. particular, okay, no. so color me I, I so surprised. I can't remember seven or eight. Okay. It's either seven or eight public schools, Wow. four private schools and a bunch of homeschool students. Wow. So basically we cater to the entire community and we are East Cobb Robotics. Okay. And, um, that's from a geographic location, so Makes sense. with East Cobb Rotary, East Cobb Robotics, we all you know cater to the same type of community. Okay, so uh, interview process. So we do have an interview process because there are only the robot is only so big. Mm -hmm. It's only about you know sometimes thirty, thirty-two by thirty to thirty-two. It's it's relatively small, so you can't get all That's those the size hands. of an airline seat. Pretty much. Don't ask how I know that, but that is the <laughs> and, width of an airline and the seat. Height. And the height of an and airline height seat. Of an airline seat. I've sat inside of a robot. You Anywho. have. So there's only so many hands that you can get on there. Plus, yeah. we want to make sure that every student is engaged. Mm -hmm. So we like to keep our team a little bit smaller. Yeah. So we do have an interview process where we see if students are a good fit for us and they see if we're a good fit for them yeah so it goes it goes both ways so we just basically find out from from kids why robots mm -hmm. now what age is that so this is a high school team okay so we do have some students who come to us especially if they're homeschooled they're maybe a little bit more advanced and they have um you know different skills and different abilities right they will come to us sometimes as young as eighth grade, not not younger than that. Not, there's just right. there's a there's a jump in there's development. There's a jump yeah. in development. So it there's we're a high school team. Yeah. We're so we're looking team. at okay, and then you come in, you apply. How how many slots are usually open every year? Interestingly enough, we last year we had a team of twenty or twenty one. Eight or thirteen of those. We're going to be seniors this year, so we were going to be losing more than half Ooh. of our team. Wow! So to be sustainable and not, you know, be gutted mm -hmm. when these kids left. Not that I won't be gutted when they leave. Um, you guys can't we, see, but she just got kind of sweaty around the eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we bulked up this year, so we're up yeah. to thirty-two. We hope to go back down to someplace around 22, sure. 25, because it's a lot of cats to herd. So one of the really neat things about our team is that it's not all about the robots. The robot is kind of the vehicle. It's the hook to get kids interested, to get them. It's, it's the vehicle that we use, that first uses, to teach new skills and develop the kids all the way around. See, that already worked because I, I had no idea. I thought it was... <laughs> No. I would have been the one of the kids like, I want to Erica learned a thing to see. It's more than robots. It's so much more than robots. Yeah. So the students come in, and when they do come talk to us, they're either liking building, or they like programming, or they like marketing, or graphic design, or presentations, or they like to write. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're a small business. Mm -hmm. Anything that a small business needs, this team needs and does. So we you have, said that when I came in, you were like, there's two businesses in here. And I was like, wait, wait, she's considering this a business. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. We are, we are a small business. Operate as a, yeah, okay. We are a small business. I love it. Really. So we have marketing. Yep. So we have students who design our t-shirts, they design our social media, they design our posters, they designed that um, logo board that fit on mm -hmm. the robot, mm -hmm. they design so many awesome. different things. Um, we have a part of one of the awards that we present for has a video component, mm -hmm. so they have to create a video mm -hmm. for that. Uh, we also do robot reveals, and those have video components mm -hmm. with it. So there's like a whole marketing and graphics area. Awesome. Then there are awards that we have to write for. So the students have to answer essay questions and short answer questions and, and share about the team and our, and our history. So there's writing involved. Then we have students who are interested in, oh, part of that, actually, one thing that almost all of our students come away with is how to talk to people. Yeah, I was gonna so say, for high I, school I students, impressed. they shook your hand. They sure did. And they made eye contact. Yes, ma'am. And I didn't get a uh, guys. I didn't get what I called the cold fish either. I had good firm Absolutely. handshakes. We teach them all those things. That's amazing. We teach them all those things, and 
like we did the presentation for Rotary. Yes. I don't know that you knew, but I literally told those students, hey, we're presenting for Rotary. Yes. I told them on Sunday, we'll be there Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Yes. They pulled that whole presentation together and practiced and did all their speaking parts by themselves. No coaching. They, they just did that. So, like, uh, I know that you guys weren't there. When, they, when the students came, I should say, when the team came at Rotary, I, I think they could have taught pretty much every person in that room how to stand and publicly speak. They were so composed, and they worked together as a unit. Yes. And you didn't have one person dominating the other. They took turns. They were just smooth. Like, I was blown away. Yeah. Once again, fangirling. But, yeah. It's, it's really neat. So there's one student in particular that comes to mind. When he came... I won't say that he was nonverbal, and he's going to kill me if he ever hears this. He wasn't nonverbal. Well, you don't say names, so, you know. <laughs> he just couldn't talk. He just sure. looked at his shoes, kind of mumbled, sure. kept his head down. Yep. He was one of our presenters last year for our awards. Whoa. He came that far. I mean, he's just done a complete turnaround. That's amazing and awesome. Hold on. All right, so what you got next? Okay, so... In addition to the, the soft skills or the more business side of it, we also do have a, a business team who helps us with a business plan. Okay. And we teach students about that. So we also have students who either either interested in programming or want to learn about programming. Mm -hmm. And so we teach them programming. Our team uses Java on our okay. robots. And then we also have kids. One of the interview questions we have is, you know, do you like to take things apart? Do you like to tinker with things? <laughs> and inevitably, the builders will say, yeah, I take things apart. And mm -hmm. then the follow-up question to that is, do you put them back together? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes it's no. It's, mm -hmm. it's okay either way. But right. just it's just interesting how many kids just like to tinker right. and, and do things with their hands. My brother did that. Yeah. He took everything apart. And then he would take it and repurpose it. Yeah, I still do. Yeah. And he, he became a doctor. Like, that's how he does that. Like, he puts people <laughs> back together. But, like, yeah, I totally see how that translates. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's more than robots. It's everything a small business needs we have and we teach these students. That's amazing. That's so cool. We have these students. Okay. So the, the purpose of our team, as I shared with you a little bit earlier, is we compete. So mm -hmm. every January, teams... We're, we're a first robotics competition team, an FRC team. Okay. So we get a challenge in January every okay. year. And there's a worldwide organization. So everyone gets the same challenge at the beginning of the, the season, if you will. Wow. So the challenge typically used to have, we used to have six weeks firm. We had okay. to put a robot in this humongous bag. I swear I can get 10 kids in this bag. I, I'd never tried, but I'm pretty sure I could. Is that big? So we would have to put the robot in the bag, couldn't touch it after six weeks. This year, we have more time. Okay. So we can continue working on the robot. But how much time do you have this year? Um, up until your first competition, you're hoping that you're done by then. Um, you know, we are making it, we're going to stick, we're going to go seven weeks this year instead of six. Okay. But we definitely have a timeline because planning your time is important. Um, so teams from all around the world get a challenge mm -hmm. and there is no, it's not a, you don't get a box of, of tinker toys and you put this together. It's, these are the challenges you have to solve. How are you going to come up with an individual way to solve this problem? How is your robot going to pick this ball up? up to you. How is this robot going to shoot this ball? You design the mechanism. Right. How is this robot going to climb a rope? Right. You have to figure that out. Right. So no two robots look the same because every team solves the problem differently. I love that. I love that. Because there isn't, there isn't always one answer. No, there's right. not. There never is. There's not. Mm -mm. And so at the end of those six, seven-ish weeks, we go into competition season. Okay. So in Georgia, we are on a district schedule. So all teams in Georgia have two qualifying competitions. Okay. Depending on how well you do there, you advance to the state competition. Depending on how well you do at state, there's the world competition. And Worlds this year is in Houston. Wow. So um, our competitions this season, we are, I don't know if you want dates or not. I kind of do. Okay, so we are going to be in Dalton, okay. Georgia, and we're competing um, March 5th through 7th. Okay. 
Then we'll be out at University of West Georgia in Carrollton. Nice. Uh, 20th of March through the 22nd of March. Okay. And then, uh, fingers crossed, we will be going to state, uh -huh. which is in Macon down at Mercer University. Right. And competition starts on April 2nd through okay. the 4th. And then um, if we do well there, then the Houston Championship starts on Wednesday, April 15th, and runs through the 18th. Groovy. That's awesome. Hmm. I think I'll be in Louisiana. I can just hop on over to yeah. Houston. Mm -hmm. It's right there. It's pretty awesome. Okay. So tell me about mentoring with this program. Sure. So I told you about the students and the different skill sets that they have. So as a community team, we're not based out of a school. So we don't have the English teacher or the mm -hmm. robotics teacher or the design teacher. We have been blessed with different parents that bring skill sets and teach our students. And then we also have mentors from outside, um, industry mentors. Oh, cool. So we have mentors from GE, from mm -hmm. Lockheed, uh, Georgia Tech Research Institute, Whoa. Boeing. Whoa. Um, we have people who work with AT&T kind of in their business department. Mm -hmm. um, we just have a lot of a lot of support from the community. From the community, really. Right. Um, it's it's really been amazing all of the skills that our different parents have come and shared with our students. So, for example, um, our build mentor he's a metal artist he has one son mm -hmm. and so he's obviously passed his trade to his son but mm -hmm. through this program there are like at least 50 kids now who know how to use a bead roller yeah an English wheel yeah they know how to work and shape things with metal and it's just really cool to be able to to see kind of that progression and like the knowledge being passed on and it's again it goes back to that whole first mm -hmm. inspiration mm -hmm. yeah of science and technology well, obviously your goal is to win oh my world. gosh yes and then we need to talk about the wheelchair right. so um tell me about chair i, I was we we're calling it cherubo but was it cherubot cherubot i don't know where i got cherubo cheerio like a wheelchair yeah it's a robot it's a chariot so yes. cherubot all right so cherubot is part of an inspiration from Go Baby Go, and they are out of University of Delaware. So there are other first teams in Georgia who are also interact clubs. Mm -hmm. So we became an interact club this year, part of East Cobb Rotary. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> um, so um, it's our pleasure because we're, we're all fangirls. Oh, thank you. So um, the wheelchair initiative. Um, we are part of an organization called Interact First, mm -hmm. so it's combining Rotary Club, inter Interact, Rotary, Rotary Interact Clubs, easy for me to say, right. and First Robotics. So combining those, those two aspects of robotics and that technology and then also the self of giving back, of service to others, helping that. the community. So combining those two things yeah. for a bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. So that dovetailed beautifully with the Go Baby Go initiative. So there are a number of teams in Georgia who are also doing what we're doing. And so we're part of a bigger organization. And the, the ultimate goal is to be able to teach other people how to do this. Okay. So we're not just an East Cobb. It's right. like a light that shines. It's like, right. was it a thousand points of light? Right, 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 right. Goosebumps. I, I do too. the goosebumps test. Yeah, yeah. So by, you know, having this knowledge and spreading it to others, you can make your light shine more brightly and other people can know how to do these things so that they can enrich their community yeah 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 so, it's a small world where you just let your your own little small you know right don't hide it under a bush right let it let, let it, it out go. let it shine so we have built Cherubot. he <laughs> he she it is almost ready to be presented to um to his his child uh we're trying that. to coordinate hopefully the beginning of february depending on when things work out maybe it might be during um Cobb County schools have a winter break in February. Mm -hmm. We're hoping to be able to do it then so more of our students won't be in class and we can, you know, we can interact with the student during the daylight hours. Right. So um, Cherubot has just been really neat. It's really allowed us to build other robots rather than just the first robots. Uh, yeah. We're thinking outside the box. Yeah. I was um, 
So if anyone had ever come to me and said, hey, can you come up with something that will assist a child in, you know, in walking and, or, you know, and being mobile at, I got to tell you, Terabot is so beautifully done. It literally is something you would drool over. Like interact with other people or other kids who have mm -hmm. this, it's, it's, um, what is it called? It's, it's by Power Wheels. It's, yeah. I think it's called a wild thing. Yeah. And so we take the wild thing. Yeah. And we adapt it for his use. So for this student, for this kid rather, um, he has very limited upper body strength. Okay. So his chair has a five-point harness because he has a hard time keeping himself, you know, upright. So this sure. will help him. Um, then his controller, instead of having, you know, uh, something to steer or a steering wheel, it has a joystick that very he can manipulate with his hand. Okay. And then we've also, for his particular need, he is working on his verbal skills. Okay. So mom was telling us she has something like an easy button. If he wants something, he'll hit this easy button. So we thought, wow, what if we could give him four different buttons that would say more? Yes, no. Yes, no, tired, you know, just simple commands that he could learn to hopefully... Rule the world, Turbot. I mean, I would put that in there, but that's just me. See, that's why I'm not on the team. Cause that he could learn to communicate with his parents, you know, and not have to do something off the shelf. This was made specifically for him and his, uh, his abilities. I wish you could see this lovely chair about, well, actually, I'll probably post a picture on the podcast. We're, we haven't yeah. looked at it yet, but he, he, she, it is over in the corner. And they brought Cherubot for us to play with at East. That was, that was earlier. That was the prototype, prototype Cherubot. Cherubot. This is real Cherubot. Oh my gosh, that was Cherubot 1.0. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Oh, and the really cool thing about Cherubot, we were talking about how the student or the kid. See, I, I refer to my, my kids on the team mm -hmm. as not, they're not kids. They're students. students correct. They're students. Yeah. So shifting that brain. Yep. This three-year-old. Yeah. He, you're, he is you're a taking, kid. Yeah. He's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. So being able to adapt this chair for this child yeah. really means a lot. Question, something that just occurred to me. Kids grow fast. Mm -hmm. Is this chair adaptable? Yes. Okay. Yes. So the chair spec from the factory, it can accommodate up to, I want to say it's like 120 pounds. Oh, I close. think I think our child weighs maybe 30, yeah, 35, 40 at the right. most. Uh, we did test it out, you know, of course, in, in, you know, the good housekeeping East Cobb Robotics seal of approval, we had to test it out, of course. Of course. It works fine. <laughs> what, what amazing student got to be the um Oh, we had a number of, we pilot. had a lot of students and adults test it out, and it, it works really well. So, yeah. and that's the beauty of it. The, mm -hmm. the customizable thing is that this has been made for this kid. Mm -hmm. So the... The chair, the it's a booster chair. Okay. It's a, you know, off-the-shelf mm -hmm. booster seat. If he grows or needs the adapting, we can change out that booster seat. So one of the really neat things about Cherubot is not only can the child or the user of the wheelchair drive his own vehicle, mm -hmm. but the parent or caregiver has a remote control for it. So that if they get overwhelmed or just something happens yeah. that they can take control. Yeah. Or if the, if the child can't control it, yeah. they can take over and help him with that. So that's a really neat feature that's not standard mm -hmm. on the chair as it comes from the factory. That's something that the students have designed and programmed. That's a great safety feature. That's really cool. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, my brain just went totally left, and I was just like, if only they had this for grown people. But you know what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that sounds amazing, though. That's really good. I did want to share that we have been partnering with the Rotary of East Cobb for six or seven years now. Okay. Almost every year of our existence. Mm -hmm. We have come, and we have helped out at the Dog Days Run. Yes, you have. We have come and, you know, toted ice and soda. And yeah, you have. And we've run. In the wee hours. By the way. And students have run. Mm -hmm. um, other people who shall remain nameless just put money in and get the t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> and yep. do not run. Uh, but we are really grateful for our partnership with Rotary of East Cobb. Um, we are so grateful for them for their inspiration of their community service for everything that they do just watching the other organizations that claim not ownership but partnership 
with Rotary just really makes me feel like we're part of something really special and really big. So I just thank you. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for letting be us become an Interact Club. And well, we echo that sentiment because we feel like we, we completely have a beautiful partnership with this team. And I got to tell you, I can't think of a single time when you guys haven't shown up that we've always left going, dang, those guys are talented. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like literally like, and it's just, it's mind blowing. And it's also inspiring because you literally see the growth of the young people year over year over year. And every time it's like, what, how they possibly can top that? Yeah. Well, they do. It's amazing. They, they amaze me every day. Yeah. So I, you know, I gotta say, I appreciate you, Lisa. And I love the spirit. I love the camaraderie. Wasn't Lisa amazing? <laughs> And was it East Cobb Robotics amazing? Aren't they amazing? I should say in present tense. So they recently became an Interact Club. We're very proud of that. It means that they are uh, a Rotary Club and they are also a part of Interact First Alliance, which is what Lisa was talking about. And to find out more information about Interact First Alliance, you can go to www.interactfirst.org. They're purpose is to not just provide mobility to children but to give them beautiful childhood experiences and memories and they say on the website and this just almost makes me sweat around the eyeballs through their community service projects they want to inspire kids to help other kids oh my gosh okay also east cob robotics i want you to join me in cheering them on as they head towards competition you can follow them on their webpage um www.eastcobrobotics.org or follow them on social media like certain people that i know who will remain nameless and who might be or may not be making uh purple sweaters for everybody <clears throat> and uh last but not least thank you lisa hatch for your time and for your generosity in sharing uh what east cob robotics is about and it was very inspirational just being in that environment and, uh, and sharing uh, information with me about um, what these students are achieving as a team. Making be better humans, I would say, uh, definitely is a ripple effect. So thank you. When I was conceptualizing this podcast, one thing I knew for sure I wanted was to end the podcast with the three different interviewees and myself reciting the four-way test, each one of us taking a piece of the four-way test. If you're not a Rotarian and I say four-way test, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, it was actually one of the things that really kind of warmed my heart when I first went to my very first Rotary meeting. It is kind of our credo. We end every meeting with the four-way test and it is kind of like our true north as Rotarians and as really as decent human beings in the world. You'll hear it in the next few minutes as each one of us takes a piece of it but um, I did want to share that that's always going to be a piece of the ending of this podcast going forward so without further ado here's the four-way test of the things we think say or do. Four-way test of the things we think, say, or do. First. Is it the truth? Second. Is it fair to all concerned? Third. Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And fourth. Will it be beneficial to all concerned? So that's the four-way test. And that's a wrap for our first ever uh, podcast, Spoken Wheel. Um, I'm Erica Ramsey Bowen, the PI Image Chair for the Rotary Club of East Cobb. I want to thank our guests today, Joe Murphy, Jacqueline Donovan, and Lisa Hatch. You three are very gracious with your time, talent, energies. Really love watching uh, what you guys are creating. It's always exciting. And I was so happy to share this with our listeners. And for you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Hey, we would love your feedback. So please uh, follow us, share us with your friends and family, uh, comment, please provide those. We want to know how we can do better. Um, basically, I'm the only person producing this, this thing. It's me, my iPhone, and some uh, pre-taped music. Um, and also, this is a great spot to drop in a disclaimer. Hey, all the opinions you've heard that have been expressed within this podcast have been solely that of me, myself, and I. So please, if you disagree, find something that sticks in your craw, just leave me a comment. I'll be glad to address that in the next episode. Um, but do not go after Rotary International or the Rotary Club of East Cobb. 
they're just my opinions and I'm just having some fun sharing it with you guys. Uh, but do tune in in the next couple of weeks. Our next episode is going to be focused almost exclusively on a celebration we have annually called the Dog Days Give Back. No, we're not giving away dogs. It is our time to share the proceeds that we uh, generate from our big fundraiser that we have every year, our Dog Days 5K. And this will be a great episode because you'll get to actually hear from some of the sponsors that we have for our Dog Days race, some of the organizations that benefit from the race, and also um, a couple of the Rotarians responsible for the successes of the Dog Days race, such as Tammy Palmgren, who headed up Dog Days race last year. Amazing lady. She's done, oh my gosh, she has a day job, day job, but she actually ran this race that generated over $80,000 for local communities. So like, uh, organizations. So like, wow. So let's hear from her. So please tune in. I'm Eric Ramsey Bowen. Thank you again for listening to Spoken Wheel. Have a great day.